not about the bunny. It's not about the bunny. I put that on my Facebook this week. It's not about the bunny. So, but uh, on the sign it also said, uh, three nails, one cross, forgiven. Three nails, one cross, forgiven. And that's what we are this morning, forgiven. It's Easter, and I want to give a brief synopsis of what this holiday is. In the beginning, God. It was God who created everything. He created you. He created me. He created free will. He created man and woman and put them in the Garden of Eden. Eve was deceived and Adam sinned and we were separated from God. We were guilty. We were sinful. We were separated from Almighty God. We were trying to find our way back, yet continually rebelling against the one who created us. The law was given to reveal sin. The Bible says that where there is no law, there is no transgression. The law wasn't given to make us holy, but to show us that we were not. We needed a way to return to God, to be cleansed, to be forgiven. We really needed a sacrifice. Lambs were not enough. Bulls were not enough. Not enough by the dozens. Not enough by the hundreds. Not enough by the thousands. Leviticus chapter 17 says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So how much blood? How much blood is enough to forgive our sins? No, not how much. Whose? Whose blood is enough to forgive our sins? The sacrifices in the temple, they didn't wash away our sin. They simply carried them over until the next year. The blood of the lamb that they applied on the doorpost and the lentils in Exodus caused the death angel to pass over the house and not kill the firstborn son. Yet the firstborn son eventually died. See, we needed a sacrifice. We needed a blood sacrifice that could fully appease the wrath of God. We needed a sacrifice that could fully cleanse us, restore fellowship with God, and make us holy and righteous. So behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus came. He was born of a woman, lived a perfect life, lived a sinless life. He was tempted and yet without sin. He was tried and he was found ample. He was found more than enough, more than enough to be a substitute for our sins. He's a propitiation. He's a payment. His blood was more than enough. But he was given over to his own people and they crucified him, an innocent man. But the cross was not enough to hold him. Death couldn't hold him. The grave was no match. The stone, he simply rolled it away. They put him in the tomb. They embalmed him. They put the stone in front to seal it up. But on the third day, Mary came to that tomb, and he wasn't there. Peter and John came running, and they didn't find him lying there. No, he was gone. But not just gone. He had risen. He had risen from the dead. He rolled away the stone, but he wasn't only risen then. He is risen today. He is still alive. He rose from the dead and he ascended to heaven. He sits on the Father's right hand and in his hand he holds the keys to the power of death. He conquered the power of death. He now gives life. He came to give life and life abundantly. He came to give it to you and he came to give it to me. He came that we might live. He died that we might live. How? Because in him is forgiveness of sins. It's one of the reasons that he came. It's one of the reasons that they crucified him, because he forgave sins. He forgave ours, not because we're good, church, not because we obey the law. In fact, if we could even obey the law, Jesus wouldn't have had to die. No, we can't do it. We can't obey the law. He forgives us 
when we come to him and we confess our sins. John says it this way, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins if we confess them. He paid the price so we wouldn't have to. He made a way to be reconciled to God, to have our fellowship finally restored with him, to walk with him in heaven for eternity, our sins forgiven. And you know what? We didn't deserve it. We rebelled against God. We mock him. We deny him. We offend him. And still Christ came to declare us righteous in him. Did you hear that? He came to declare us righteous in him, not just accepted and okay. He actually declares us righteous. That's the gospel. That's Easter. That is Resurrection Sunday. That is what we celebrate today. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen in me. And if you're in him, he is risen in you, and you also are forgiven. See, there were three nails. There was one cross, and we're forgiven. Isn't that awesome? Three nails, one cross, we're forgiven. And that's the gospel in a nutshell. We couldn't do it. We tried. It didn't work. See, he didn't give us the law to make us righteous. He gave the law to let us know how unrighteous we were and to show us that we needed a sacrifice that was greater than us. It's Jesus Christ. He came. This morning, before we get any farther, I really felt that I needed to give this opportunity right now. You heard, you've heard it before, I believe, and you just heard it now. Jesus Christ came into the world to die for us because we were separated and alienated from God. We needed a sacrifice. We needed somebody to pay the debt for us because we couldn't pay it. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior, if you've never trusted in Him, before we get any further into the service, I want to give you an opportunity. Because the rest of the sermon is really talking about those who've received forgiveness. So right now, I'm just going to ask everyone just to bow their head. Usually we go, well, isn't the altar call at the end? No, because why should we go on any longer? Right now, God is calling to you. And he's been calling and nagging at your heart. If you've never repented of your sins, and that simply means, I don't want to live that way anymore. God, I'm sorry for my sin. Then this morning you can say a simple prayer that's, that's not easy because you're going to surrender your life to him, but it's a simple prayer. And it's not about the words, but it's about what's behind him. And in a prayer like this where you'd say, God, I am a sinner. And I know that I am. And I can't do this on my own. I've heard enough to know that without you, I don't have forgiveness of sins. Forgive me of all the wrong things I've done. Come into my heart and into my life and help me to become that new creation. Make me a new creation. I surrender my life to you this Easter, today. I want to be forgiven. I don't want to have the guilt and shame on my life any longer. I commit my life to you and accept you as my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I pray that if you've never done that, you just prayed that simple prayer. And it's going to, it's going to be something that will grow in your heart and in your life forever. And after service, there'll be, you can find one of the leaders, the elders, the pastors here, and talk to them and tell them what you've done. And that will help you on this new path of being a Christian. But I, ha I really felt like we need to do this at the very beginning because this is Easter. This is what it's about. See, there was three nails on the one cross, and because of that, we're forgiven. 
The title of this message really is, is very simple. It's forgiven, now what? Forgiven, now what? See, many of us, we come to Christ, we receive, we receive forgiveness, and then that's the end of it. But this morning, we want to take that next step. So if today was the first time and you're still going, well, I, I've kind of known that and I just did that, I prayed that prayer, now what? We're going to just walk through this little simple thing. There's a couple of things we're going to talk about. Forgiven, now what? Well, the very first thing, for all of us in this room who call ourselves Christians, who Jesus Christ died on the cross for and forgive us our sins, the very first thing that I think we need to do this morning is forgive ourselves. That's the first thing. Why is this the first point? Because so many of us have a hard time forgiving ourselves, really letting go of our past. We spend way too much time trying to earn something that we've already been given. He, he did it. There's nothing we can do to add on to this, but we have to receive it and then forgive ourselves. Go with me to 1 John chapter 1. Father, as we get into the word, we thank you that you're here. Move upon us. Anoint this word. Stir us up. Drive us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I believe that this is the word of God. I believe it's true from cover to cover, that he's got promises in here for us. He has a way for us to live. But if we don't believe that this word is true, then, then we shouldn't even be here today. But this Bible is true, and it's God's word, God's love letter to us. And it's true, and he is true. And 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says this, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We've read that verse. Many of us in here, we know that. We're thankful for it. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How much unrighteousness? All of it. And just to be sure, I went into the Greek, and it's all. It's all of it. It's everything. And do you know that when Jesus died for you, you weren't born yet? I don't think. Let me check. We got some gray hairs in here, but I don't know if they're that gray. All of you, none of you, I should say, existed when Christ died for your sins. So do you think he went and says, well, I'm going to die for, oh, yeah, January 12th. That's going to be a bad one in their life. And I'm going to die for March 3rd but I'm not going to die for what they do on February 27th. That's silly. When he saw you and looked into all eternity and saw everyone in this room, and he took upon himself all of our sin, it was every single sin ever committed. And he forgave us of it. And we go, well, that's good, I'm forgiven. But then he says it in a different way to help us get the point, and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. It's, it's not just, okay, I'm forgiven, but yeah, he still remembers me, and I'm still dirty, and I'm, I'm just a dirty bird, and he forgave me, but yeah, I'm yucky, and uh, no. He forgives you, and he cleanses you from all unrighteousness. Now, there's our part and his part, so let's, let's go to our part. If you confess your sins, period, that's your part. The rest is, he is faithful and just 
to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all. Our part is to confess. And you know, that, that is hard sometimes, to actually confess it. And I believe there's power in confession. I believe there's actually something that can happen. That, and you, that Maybe you're one living in this room who you've confessed your sins, but you still feel there's a struggle, there's still something wrong. And maybe simply the reason why is because you never actually talked to God about the thing you're still ashamed to talk to Him about. And you need to confess it. And it's okay, you can talk to Him about it. You don't even want to say it. Well, God, forgive me for everything. And you're kind of thinking, that too, if it's possible. He's more than able. He's more than able if we confess our sins. Confess it. Get real with God. And say, God, you remember that day. And there is no excuse. And I'm not going to try to make one up. You see, it's under the blood, but you might have to still go back, even as a believer, and go back and visit that because maybe you never did. Now, if you did, it's done. And we're going to get into that. See, we have to receive His forgiveness. We confess and then we receive. And when it comes back up, we say, no, devil. You can talk to the devil. No, devil, I don't receive your accusation against me because I was forgiven. I was cleansed. Jesus' blood is enough for me. And I screwed up my life a lot. But God is bigger than that. And He forgave me every single one of my sins, my transgressions, the big and the little. They're under the blood. He's enough. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For He made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. He made Jesus, Him who had no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. That verse needs to be emblazoned in our heart and our mind. Jesus took it all. He didn't deserve what He got, but He paid the price for us. And we sit and we try to pay the price for our own sin again and again and again. Some of you in this room try to pay and make up for the bad things that you did. And you need to receive the forgiveness of God. You know, if God has made Jesus to be sin for us, do we really want to believe that it's not enough? It's like somebody coming up and giving me, you know, maybe anymore, this doesn't sound like a lot of money, it sure sounds like a lot of money to me, a million dollars. And, and, and I believe that if I had a million dollars, with, with God's wisdom, I, I would never need any more money. I, I just believe that. And somebody come and give me a million dollars and me looking at him going, you know, I just don't think it's enough. You know, it's not enough for me because I need more. How dare us? Jesus' blood is enough for you. It's enough for me. We need to let it go, but the enemy doesn't want us to. And it says that 2 Corinthians 5 says, we become the righteousness of Christ because of Jesus' work on the cross, not our own. Do we really believe it wasn't enough? 
it wasn't sufficient? I don't think so. If you're struggling with not forgiving yourself, you don't really make that connection. Well, Jesus' sacrifice wasn't enough. You just probably don't think you're worthy of receiving forgiveness. That what you did just is, is too much. It's not. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. What God has made righteous by Christ is righteous. Now, this is a hard thing to do, but you go into the mirror and you look into that mirror, and that's the hard part. And you say, you're righteous. Not because of what I do, but because of who he is. He's forgiven us. We need to forgive ourselves. We can't read the verse like this. Everyone else's sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, except for me. Except for me. You know, I say it like this because there's, I want to shake us up. I, I, I think I want to shake us up a little bit to go, no, I don't think like that. I don't, I don't think like, you know, of course God, God's bigger than that. Do you really believe it? Then let it go. Forgive yourself. It's a promise. We need to believe his promise. You know, Peter, we watched the Son of God on, on Good Friday here at the church. And, you know, it's, it's theatrical. It's, it's not ju just the Bible. It's, it's an interpretation. It's really kind of like watching a sermon. What might it have looked like when Peter denied Christ and he ended up, right after denying him in the movie, getting knocked down by one of the soldiers, and he looked over at Christ. You know, that'd be a pretty tough one. You know, and then the, the rooster crows. And in the movie, and, and again, I, we don't really, where was Peter at the rest of the crucifixion? Could he even watch? You know, Peter was distraught, and Jesus knew it. When Jesus rose from the grave, and he tells Mary, he says, go tell the disciples and Peter. Why? Not because he didn't count Peter as one of the disciples anymore. Because he knew he had to make a special call because Peter wouldn't forgive himself. And Jesus restores Peter three times. Peter, do you love me? Of course, Lord, I love you. And feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Take care of my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, only you know. You know. He denied him three times, and he restored him three times, not because he needed three times the forgiveness, but he needed Peter to know, you're forgiven. I trust you to feed my sheep. Peter, trust yourself that my forgiveness is enough for you. This morning, God's forgiveness is enough for you. Our standard of forgiving, is it higher than God's? It should never be so. To believe that we can be forgiven by God, but then turn around and not forgive ourselves is to make God out to be a liar. It's because God says, you are cleansed, you're forgiven. Your sins will never be held against you again. Why won't you believe God? 
And sometimes it's actually because of pride. Pride often creates in us a higher standard for forgiving ourselves than God himself holds to. I don't know why that is. My sin's just too big. Either God's word is true or it's not. And he says that we're forgiven after we repent and we confess our sins and we place our trust in Christ. Let's believe him today on that. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We don't like to use that word about ourselves. I know we don't. I'm the righteousness of God. You know, I'm, I'm just a servant. You know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just. When we talk about ourselves, we probably put just too much in there. I'm just this. No, I am the righteousness of Christ because I'm in Him. Amen? So we need to forgive ourselves. And that's a process for some of us. If you're having difficulty, there's a couple of these in here. You may have to walk through the process with somebody. But we've got to get our thinking right. We've got to get rid of our stinking thinking first. You know, some find it easy to forgive others even if they cannot forgive themselves. I've, I've seen that. Some, they won't forgive themselves, but they can forgive others. But others, if they don't forgive themselves, it's hard to forgive others. And they hold that. We've been forgiven now what? We forgive ourselves and then we forgive others. Well, there he goes, Harold, telling us to forgive. I knew he'd bring that up. I mean, so that, that's what it is for us. We, some of us in this room have been violated and hurt and wounded, and we don't want to hear another sermon on forgiving. I want to encourage you, don't check out. Make sure the heater doesn't get too hot. It's already getting a little warm in here. We could turn on the fan, open a window. Don't check out just because I said forgive others. Because, And I'm saying this seriously, and I mean no offense by it. There are some of you who have been so badly hurt that right now, you're beginning to close your ears because you just say, I can't. Pastor, you don't know what happened to me. And you're right, I don't. And I, make, I do not make little of any offense that anyone may have gone through. But don't check out yet because there's a reason we're asked to forgive others. And I'm going to give the, the, the typical one first. It's biblical. That's one you hear. You have to forgive others because the Bible says you have to do it. Don't leave yet. We're going to start here, but we're going to hit some other things. Matthew chapter 6. We know this. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who've sinned against us. Jesus put it right there as a very simple prayer that he says, you pray something like this and he throws this in there. Forgive us our sins. Well, we know we just covered that. We need to ask 
to be forgiven of our sins. But then he says, as we forgive those who sin against us, and that becomes an issue. In Matthew chapter 18, it talks about the man who owed the king a massive debt. And, and, the, and this debt is just something that none of us, none of us could even fathom. You think your credit card debt is high? It's, it's just beyond. And, and the, he owed the king a debt. The king found him and he says, I cannot pay the debt. And the king forgave his debt. Immediately the servant went out onto the street, Matthew chapter 18, and he found somebody that owed him a few bucks, a pittance compared to what he owed. And he took him by the, the shirt, it says, and he demanded, he says, you owe me, pay me everything you owe. And the man says, please give me more time and I'll pay it back. And he throws him into debtor's prison. He had no mercy on him. And the king heard and was outraged. Was outraged. And he says, I'm going to have him turned over to the torturer until his debt is paid because you had no compassion when you were given compassion. You had no forgiveness when you had been given forgiveness. And so we hear these stories which are true and they're biblical and they come upon us like huge weights because we've been hurt so bad. And people say, just forgive, just forgive. Well, it is biblical to forgive, and we're going to talk about a little bit about what that is. But it's also the reason Jesus says to forgive is because it's actually good for us to forgive. Now, I want to, before I say that, I want to tell you just a great definition or idea of what forgiveness is. Forgiving someone means giving up resentment and the right to get even with him or her, even though you were wronged. That's forgiveness. God insisted this was the only way to go through life. Forgiving someone means giving up resentment and the right to get even with him or her, even though you were wronged. It doesn't necessarily mean becoming their best friend again. It doesn't mean to put yourself in the position where they can hurt you again. But it does mean getting rid of the resentment and the right to get even. And that's one of the reasons we hold on to it sometimes. You know, I just want to, I like this. I'm just going to hold on to this because... I want to be able to get even with them somehow. And that's the hard part of saying God. See, what does the Bible say? What did God say about vengeance? It's His. When you're unforgiving, what you're saying is, I want to hold this so that I can get vengeance someday. He's got to pay His debt. And what forgiveness is, is taking this debt that's owed you and saying, God, I'm going to give you this debt. If I owed Robert a whole bunch of money, and he wishes I, I did. <laughs> if, if I owed Robert a whole bunch of money, he would have a, a debt. He would have a note from me that I owed him money. Well, if he wanted to, he could give that debt to Doug. He could say, hey, 
Doug, I want to give you this. Now Rob owes you money. And now I owe you money. Because Robert gave his debt, his paper that says, I owe you to Doug. Now, I don't owe him anymore. He gave it away. Now I owe Doug. Does that make sense? It's, it's kind of, you, people do this with loans sometimes. They just assume the loan, right? This is what forgiveness is. Somebody hurts me. They owe me. And I say, God, they don't owe me anymore. They owe you. I have no right to any payment. I forgive them. I give it to you. And whatever you do with this loan is up to you because it's yours now. It's between you and them. I give it to you. Forgiveness. Don't hold on to the resentment. Don't hold on to that right to get even with them. Give it to the Lord. And I want to tell you, it's good for us. You know, according to research done by a Stanford University psychologist, Carl Thorson, unforgiveness can lead to, and this is not just one, right? Just, just quoting one. I thought, you know, let's get somebody big. Stanford's a good place. Unforgiveness can lead to impaired physical as well as mental and emotional. We know about the mental and emotional, but it's physically. It can cause chronic stress, which leads to cardiovascular issues, high blood pressure, brain hemorrhages in severe cases. People have actually had brain hemorrhages from holding on to unforgiveness. And I've seen it about to happen in people at times. Just the tension, the weight of the hurt that's on them. Unforgiveness causes depression and can lead to paranoid personality disorders. Let me read that, what this is. That's when a person cannot control his or her emotions and cannot form a firm opinion about any situation. A person suffering from this disorder, from this order, cannot trust other people and has at times no little or even zero self-control. They are controlled. They're paranoid. They're in a cage. They're trapped because of unforgiveness. We've heard this many times, but holding on forgiveness and bitterness and resentment is like drinking a poison, hoping somebody else is going to die. Do you know that the people that you are not forgiving probably don't even know that you're mad at them? And they live their life freely while you suffer. It's not just easy. This is a transaction between you and God. God, I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to give you the debt, and you've got to help me release it. And it's going to come back. So it's not saying, forgiveness is not saying what they did was okay. Some people, that's what they think. Well, that means that it was okay what they didn't know. They hurt you, and it was wrong. But Kate, take the debt and say, God, I'm going to give this to you. You forgave me. Thank you for not making me pay for my sin. I'm not going to make them pay for theirs. It's yours. And let him do what he's going to do with it. Now, if you're coming to this, this point, you're saying, Pastor, this is still a hard lesson. This is hard. It, it's true. I want to encourage you to find someone to walk through this point with. 
I'm not just saying let it go and forget about it. It's no big deal. On the contrary, I believe it's a massive deal. If you're one of those in this, one of those many people who, who deal with unforgiveness, I want to tell you that there's hope to be free, absolutely free, and to walk in forgiveness, to give it to God, to give that debt over to Him, and say, God, it's yours to collect. But you might need some help in the process, so I invite you to talk to one of the leaders, the pastors, the life group leaders, to walk through this. It's not just a saying that you say, I forgive. This is not what I do with my kids. You, do, you did with your kids and your parents did with you. You're about one kid who hits the other in the face and you say, say sorry, and they go, sorry. <laughs> and then you say, tell them you forgive them, I forgive you. <laughs> See, when we're told to forgive, that's kind of what we do. But we begin to understand the debt and Christ's sacrifice for us. What we're saying is, it was wrong, but I'm going to give it to you. I can't, I can't do this anymore. So we forgive ourselves and we believe the word that says, I am the righteousness of Christ. Say that with me. I am the righteousness of Christ. One more time. I am the righteousness of Christ. You're forgiven. We're forgiven. We're holy. We're free. Now we forgive others. And some of you still have a face and a name and a situation stuck in your mind. God, help me to give it to you. That's a great place to start. God, help me to give this to you. Forgive ourselves, forgive others, and now, what else? We tell others about how incredible it is to be forgiven. This is, this is a great part. We just have to, let, we don't even have to because we're going to want to. We get to tell others about how wonderful it is to be forgiven. Psalm 32.1. Psalm 32.1, if you're taking notes, says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, and blessed means happy. It means happy. We have too many Christians that oh, I'm a Christian. <laughs> We're like Eeyore. Oh, I'm a Christian. Thanks for noticing. <laughs> happy is the one whose sin is forgiven. Why? Because we actually have received it and we realize and the weight has been lifted and we go, I should not be here. We were guilty. We're, we're not being wrongfully accused. We got to get rid of that stinking thinking too. And just fess up and say, I blew it. You know how many innocent people are in prison? But let's get real, most of them aren't. I mean, you know, there's problem in the law enforcement at times and the judicial system, but I don't think it's that bad. They're not, yet they, they won't fess up. But imagine the guy who's in there and he says, yeah, you know what, I deserve to be in here. Man, let me tell you the things I did. You know, I actually one time got a speeding ticket for something I didn't do. I paid it gratefully and gladly because of all the times I didn't get stopped for the things that I did do. <laughs> oh my, Pastor Rob is a bad driver. 
I gladly pay, you know, and they're like, you should fight that. I'm like, I owe this and more. Come on, let's be real. It's like the person who's in prison who's fessed up and says, I did this, 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 this. And all of a sudden, the governor comes up and says, you know what? You're horrible. You're incorrigible. You're rotten to the core. And I'm letting you go. He's going to walk out of that prison and say, I hate the governor. He's going to be so happy because he's out and doesn't deserve to be out. We should be walking in joy because we've been forgiven. And I've got a list of some of your sins. We're going to put it up on the board. <laughs> Just to see how grateful we are about being friends. Some of your face. <laughs> you know, if we're grateful, if, if we've been forgiven much, what did Jesus say? You know, who has been forgiven much loves much. We have to connect with what we did, receive the forgiveness, believe that it's done, and then we turn into the lovers of God because of what he's done for us. You know, as Christians, we should just tell others to go to church and how great church is. I mean, you know, oh, you got to come with me to the church. It's great. And the music is this and that. That's not going to change someone's life. And I, lo I love to be in church. And I, I love worship. And I love, you know, skits and things. That's great. But if we connect with the right thing and say, let me tell you what happens when you meet Christ. You know that guilt? that shame that you feel you know how you keep drinking and drugging and sexing to cover up this because of the guilt and the shame and you're just trying to hide it but there's a way that you can be free from that and I found it it's in no one else but Jesus Mark 16 15 says this we know this go into all the world and Preach the gospel, right? You've heard that. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And some of us, were really creatures. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Another word for preach is proclaim. We think of preach as like a Christian word. Like, oh, I got to go stand up on the corner and preach. Let's, let's the word means proclaim to be a herald. Let's change it right now and get that old word out of our mind because it's messing us up. Go into all the world and proclaim what? The gospel. Well, there again, there's another Christian word, the gospel. That's the four spiritual laws, right? That's I got to do the plan of salvation and the Roman road, and that's the gospel, right? No, the gospel is, another translation is good news. It's the good news. It's a good message. Let's re think about that scripture this way. Go into all the world and proclaim the good message. What's the good message? I've been forgiven didn't deserve it and Christ forgave me and he'll forgive you he'll forgive you and when he forgives us the weights come off and the shackles come off and we can actually look at people in the eyes I've watched the transformation of Christians who get saved and maybe they're down I mean physically they're downhearted their faces are down and with time as they walk with Christ they walk straight and their faces are bright and they're looking at people in the eyes because the shame is being broken and lifted off because they're receiving the forgiveness. What's the message? Jesus died. 
That sounds like a bad message to me. Well, let's go on. Can you imagine going up to someone saying, hey, I've got some good news. Fred died. Di <laughs> Dying is not good news. Okay, well, but Jesus is alive, right? Okay, so here you go. That's great, y'all. Fred died, but they resuscitated him. Well, good for Fred. I can't be real here. Good for Fred. How is that good news? Because when Jesus died, he died for my sins. How many? All of them. He died for all of them. Because he rose, he showed that I'm going to rise again. See, the good news is not in his dying or even in his rising. It's what he accomplished in it. I'm forgiven. That's what he accomplished. You're forgiven. I don't have to have guilt or shame anymore. I don't have to pay for my sins, not ultimately. He paid the price so that I could go to heaven and be with him forever. And so can you. See, when we really understand what a great debt we've been forgiven, we really can't help but tell others. Sometimes we lose sight of it. We have to keep cut. We've got to go back there. Some of us, we've been saved too long. I'm telling the truth. We've been saved so long, we forgot about our sin life. We forgot about what we are saved from. And we might need to go back and say, oh, yeah, I'm not as good as I think I am. God, you saved a wretch like me, and the only reason I'm here today is because you forgave me, not because I've been a good boy. Thank you, God. This morning, it's wonderful because the Easter has fallen on the first Sunday of the month, and on the first Sunday of the month here at Christian Center, we celebrate communion. Communion with Jesus instituted the communion on that night that he was betrayed. He was having supper with his disciples. And he said, hey, you know, this bread, this bread is going to make a new covenant. This bread is going to be my body. It's going to be broken for you. And he took the, the wine and he said, and this wine represents the blood that I'm, and really what he was saying, this wine represents the blood that I'm about to shed, and they still didn't even know it was about to happen. It's a new covenant. All things are new. They knew about the sacrificial blood of the lamb. They knew that they had to make those sacrifices still, and Jesus was saying, my blood is going to be enough. Receive it. And that's what communion's about. It's about really receiving Jesus, what he did for us. By breaking his body and shedding his blood for us, we're forgiven. The ushers are going to begin to pass out the communion elements. And we're going to hold on to them and just worship and think about this. I'm going to ask Robert to come and he's going to lead us. He's going to lead a song and you can sing it quietly if you want. But, but this, isn't a, this isn't a song to sing. It's a time to contemplate what the Lord because has done in all of our lives. I'm accepting you working down. I'm alive and well, your spirit is within me because you died and rose again.
forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted, you were condemned. I'm alive and well, your spirit is within me because you died in love how can it be that you my king would die for me amazing love I know it's true and it's my joy to honor you in all I do I King, you are my everything. Amazing love, how can it be that you, my King, would die for me? Amazing love, I know it's true, and it's my joy to honor you. Amazing love, how can it be that you, my King, would die for me? Amazing love. my joy to honor you in all I do. I honor you in all I do. I honor you in all I do. Let me honor